Hey, Sojourn. Uh, yesterday we had a tech problem and the sermon didn't record, uh, but because Lamentations 1, it was such an important sermon for our series in the book of Lamentations as it laid a, a foundation, a groundwork for where we're going to go. I wanted to uh, record a short 10 to 12 minute recap of uh, of the sermon so that we could all be on the same page going forward for those who weren't uh, weren't able to make it yesterday. So, Uh, Lamentations is about lamenting, and a lament is a response to suffering in which one expresses indignation and even outrage. Lament stems from an acute experience of pain, both physical, emotional, or spiritual. And as a a culture context where we came from, most of us grew up in families that, that didn't value lamenting. It wasn't part of our culture and DNA. And so most of us have never learned how to properly, biblically lament. And so when something comes into our life that is lamentable, when suffering comes in, we generally have one of two responses. Either one, uh, we, we, we pull our pants, we get it done, we fix it, we fix the problem. Or two, two we numb ourselves. We drink ourselves to death. We numb ourselves to avoid the pain that suffering brings. But Lamentations, the book of Lamentations says that there is a third way. And so let's talk about the book of Lamentations. In the Old Testament, God created a nation, Israel, that would be his people. Within the nation, there was a temple. The temple was the the central place of worship. And that temple was in the city of Jerusalem. And in 587 BC, Babylon came in and destroyed the city, destroyed Jerusalem, uh, destroyed the temple, and took Jewish people into exile back into Babylon. And so you had Jewish people, the Israelites, both in exile in Babylon and left behind in Jerusalem to live in the destruction that was. And so the book of Jeremiah was written, or at least parts of it, written to the, uh, the, uh, the Israelites were exiled in a Babylon while the book of Lamentations was written to those left behind in Jerusalem. And the book of Lamentations is five poems, five distinct but interwoven poems. And chapter one, our chapter, is, is this poem divided into two parts. The first half is the narrator who recaps the situation. And the second half The city, she speaks. And when she speaks, she laments. And so our hope is that we would leave Lamentations 1, knowing the difference in biblical laments and worldly grief. So Lamentations 1, the narrator, she opens up the first seven verses, and uh, they're they're just recapping the situation. Uh, This once booming city is now laid in ruins, but then in verse 8, Uh, The narrator, he shifts. He shifts from observation to evaluation, from what to why. And he uses the language of adultery that other nations had. They had seen her nakedness, that the root issue, the why behind all the destruction was that Israel had given herself to other lovers, which is biblical imagery for having given yourself to other gods. And then in verse 9, uh, uses this Hebrew poetic imagery for the shame that she feels, the shame that someone caught in adultery would feel when they're busted. And out of this shame and out of this hurt and out of this pain, she speaks. She speaks in verse 
12, and as we look at the first lament in the book of Lamentations, we're going to see five movements to her laments. These are not, and it's important to understand this, not five steps to lamenting, but five movements in her lament that can inform and shape our lamenting the brokenness of our lives. And so movement one, verses 12 to 15, she begins by recognizing the role of God in her suffering. And she says things like, uh, the Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I cannot withstand. The Lord inflicted this on me on the day of his fierce anger. The starting place for her lament was that what has happened to me has happened under the authority, the umbrella of the authority of God. And so where she starts her lament really does run in direct conflict with the God that most of us were raised under. Most of us were raised under a triumphalistic view of God that we, we succeed, our God succeeds. And so we, we love we, we love passages like Romans 8, but we don't have a lot of time for books like Lamentations. And so when suffering, when suffering does come into our life, we either deny God's role or we shake our fist at God, but not Lamentations. Lamentations embraces the sovereign hand of God, which lays the foundation for where she goes in, in, in verse 16 in her second movement. Verse 16, this complete emotional honesty as she says, I weep, my eyes flow with tears. My eyes flow with tears. That Jerusalem had looked around, offered herself to other gods. Those gods let her down. The lovers, they let her down. And it was the judgment and discipline of God that has forced her in the position of complete and total emotional honesty. And the truth is that for a lot of us, it's going to take the discipline of God to force us into this position where we will look at the lovers in our life, be it sex, be it work, the things that we think will give us life and meaning and hope and joy and purpose. We're going to have to have them let us down, uh, sit under the discipline of God to be forced into a position of complete emotional honesty. But when those things do let us down, it is the mercy and the grace of God, because it's the, the, the soil, the soil for movement three. It's movement three, a genuine confession of sin. It says, here's the core issue, that I have rebelled against your word, verses 17 and 18. An honest confession of sin is difficult for us. We know it's difficult for us because blame shifting is simply natural for us. It's just natural. And it goes all the way back to the garden. Genesis 3, sin enters the world. Uh, and no, she did it. No, no, the snake did it. It's just natural for us. It's woven in to who we are. You name a social issue today. You pick the social issue. And I know whose fault it is. It's their fault. If they would just fix there, then the problem would go away. Their fault. No, not my fault. Not my sin. Theirs. And if we're going to be a people who speak and live redemptively, we've got to be a people willing to identify and own our own sins so we might be able to engage the brokenness of this world. But blame shifting, everything being their fault, is a way that we can keep ourselves the victim. The problem is victims can never go where he goes next in verse 19. 
In verse 19, the fourth movement in this lament that, that he sees the false promises of other lovers. It says that I called out to my lovers, but they deceived me. And it's key that we see the, that, that he says they deceived me, which is different than they disappointed me. All right, disappointed, I'm just let down. All right, they didn't come fully through, and so because they didn't come fully through, I need a new lover. I need something, I just need more of it, right? And so if porn is a thing that we give ourselves to because there's safety and we run to it, when it lets us down, we just need to move on to something. We need to move on to something. We wind up having a weekend that we regret. We need a more powerful drug, but being disappointed is different than, than recognizing that we have been deceived. The promises that other lovers offer are deceptive in their origin. And so Jerusalem, she sees, she's honest about her sin, and then she sees the effects of her sin. She sees that she has been let down by them. It's only led to destruction. These other, other lovers that she has offered herself to, they've only let her down, and it's led to this utter destruction, which is why she now cries out to God. Verse 20 to 22, look, O oh Lord, for I am in distress. And she finishes her lament crying out to God, crying out and pleading for deliverance. And if we can't walk all the way through lament and get to crying out to God, we'll never experience what Dodds Panger, one of our pastors, said is the preciousness of tears, the preciousness of crying out to God out of desperation because we've got nowhere else to turn. So here are the five movements of the first lament in the book of Lamentations that they saw the sovereign hand of God in their situation led to complete emotional honesty then third, a genuine confession of sin. Fourth, she, she saw the false promises of other lovers. And then five, she cried out to God for deliverance. And so you want to know the, the, the difference in worldly grief and biblical lament? Here it is, the audience. The audience. Worldly grief stays horizontal, ourselves and other people. But in biblical laments, our audience becomes God. It's why the the, the, the lament started with God, finished with God. The, the heart of biblical lament is not horizontal complaining. At the heart of biblical lament is a vertical cry. And so we're going to learn to lament together. How? For the next six Monday nights, we're going uh, to have first Monday prayer here in the sanctuary, and we're going to pray lament psalms. We're going to pray the different pieces, the different aspects of lament psalms. Will it feel like a celebration? No. No, but we're praying that in our prayer, we would be prepared for the celebration that is Easter morning, the celebration that is to come when we gather together around the resurrection of Jesus. Because here's the pattern in the Bible. Death before resurrection. Lament before restoration. And so we closed like this. We, we closed the sermon like this. Why, why poetry? In the midst of all the brokenness and all the chaos, we, we closed with the question, why poetry? Here's why. Because when we move beyond worldly grief to biblical laments, our audience becomes the one 
the one who can create beauty out of brokenness and in our laments can even create beauty in the midst of brokenness. Because we know this, there are some of us who are looking at our lives and looking at what's all around us and we're going, man, I, I am the city. I am the city laid in ruins. My life has collapsed. Other lovers, they have all let me down. And I am living in it right now. And I need to learn how to lament right now. But for some of us, the rest of us, we, we know that there is a day coming. There's a day coming when suffering is on her way and something lamentable comes into our lives. And we need to be ready and prepared to know how to lament in the midst of our own brokenness, in the midst of a broken world all around us. And so our prayer is that through these corporate gatherings, these corporate nights of prayer where we pray lament psalms, we would learn how to be a people who lament. We'd be a people who learn how to cry out to God in trust.